Hello and welcome to the No Pun Included podcast, the only board game podcast in the world to have been designated as one of the world's great seven wonders. As in like why people wonder why they're listening. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And nobody can figure it out. They're like, why am I listening to this? Can you name any of the seven wonders? Um, it's the pyramids, isn't it? Uh, uh-huh. Babylon's... Ha- Look, I played Civilization. <laughs> I can name some of them, right? Let's not say that board games don't teach you anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in this podcast about board games that you are currently wondering why you're listening to, well, we have an answer. That's because we're going to be talking about free board games and you would like to hear about them. That was smooth. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Those free board games are Lunar Capital, Echoes, and... Sorry, can we do that like can we do that together? Like if I say yeah, echoes, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not doing anything. Oh. Echo. 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 Echoes. Echoes. Why did you ask me to do that? I just thought it would be funny. Anywho, and the last board game we were talking about is Coffee Traders. Coffee Traders, Coffee Traders. Are we not doing that for that one? I don't I don't think we had to. It wasn't <laughs> like I need. Oh. But before all of that, let's talk about some no pun included news. There's not a lot of news. We just had a video out. This video isn't actually filmed yet, but by the time you're listening to this podcast, this video will have already been published. That's and confusing. I know. I know what the video is, the script and everything. We just need to sit down and film it. Uh, that video is for Cascadia, which is a board game that surprised me with just how good it is. And if you'd like to know more about it, about this gentle tile laying game set in the American Northwest, then you should watch the video on youtube.com slash no pun included. I want to talk very briefly on uh, on on a couple of other things, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first of all, uh, I want to mention the video that's coming out next. I am not going to say what the video is for, but I think I will... I think I can pretty safely vouch that a lot of people will have been waiting for us to cover this game mm. and will have been waiting for this video. And I think they will be pleased at the... I don't even know the comprehensiveness of the video. Let's just okay. say that it's it's definitely not going to be part two of Arkham Horror, the card game. That that video is not <laughs> happening. Uh, but but it is in a similar vein to Arkham Horror, the card game. That's that's all I'm going to say. That's that's the. I mean, that's tenuous. Well, it is very tenuous, but it is it is true in that it's a similar style of video, wouldn't you say? Okay. It's not yes. a part one. No, part no, no, two. no. It's just the the one video as a whole. The the game isn't similar, but the style of video is similar. Yes. Yeah, okay. And 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 also, if if you've been a regular on our Discord, I think there have been enough clues as to what it is by now. Talking of which, I want to talk a little bit about our Discord server. Mm. So some of you might know that we. Have have a discord server that is uh exclusive to our patreon backers and i want to just throw a very big shout out to the mods uh, who've been volunteering uh and looking after the server so that would be uh richard gian sarah and sparkle thank you so very much for all the hard work you've put in and uh i don't just want to give them a shout out i actually do want to say uh just in the brief interim that they've been moderators how much that they achieved and done and and made the server so much better so one of the things that we have now is that anyone who joins the server uh they don't immediately have access to the server instead of that uh they have drafted and received feedback from uh from everyone on the discord server a set of rules uh which i think are very good and very comprehensive and you cannot get access to the server until you read through and acknowledge that you've read them the other thing 
that's really, really nice is that we now have various roles for various things that you might want to tag yourself with. For example, uh, there are roles for listing your pronouns or listing your uh, private message preferences. So mm -hmm. by default on our server, you cannot private message other members, uh, but you can put on a tag that says, yes, you can do that, mm -hmm. right? So these these things might seem minor, but I've seen how important moderation is lately, especially with like the kerfuffle that Twitch yes. has been having. And I'm just so proud of, of the work and so grateful and thankful of the work that our moderators have put in. Uh, and I don't just want to say thank you. I also want to say it out loud because I hope it sets uh, an example for other board game related Discord servers. And finally, just on that note, I do want to say that because we see some statistics on Discord that other people don't necessarily have access to, we've already seen like firsthand evidence that these things that we implemented do actually work mm -hmm. and they do produce a result and they do make the community nicer and better, just a better place for everyone to be, right? Mm -hmm. And I just... And that's yeah. all, that's, was always something that was important to us. Yeah, right? I, I, I always valued having, you know, a space uh, for the community that doesn't just necessarily surround No Point Included, but like sort of No Point Included mm. adjacent in terms of where we make videos about board games and people who watch them are interested in board games, right? So, mm. so that's that link that sort of ties us all together. But it's also that it's a space, I don't want to say nice, because I think that phrase is, I sort of lost a little bit of meaning because just being nice on its own isn't good enough. I think uh, it needs to be a safe space and a space where people feel comfortable, right? Mm. And that's that's sort of what I mean when I say nice. Mm. I sound nervous when I said all of that. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess it, uh, it matters because, to me. Yeah, because it matters and because you want to get the right words. Yeah, uh, exactly. Because you don't want to just go, oh, yeah, it's nice. Come and, come and hang out there. Like Because anyone can say, mm. this is a nice place, right? Um, but it's very difficult to know whether that space is nice or not mm. and who finds it nice mm. right so I, I understand why you i know you're not really nervous to say it anywho all i really wanted to do was just to let people know that hey moderation is great mm. moderation works and i, I know i'm lucky to have mm. the privilege of having volunteer moderators not everyone can have that but there are different ways you can implement moderation you can either do it yourself you can ask your friends to help there's many ways to foster a community as it grows. And I, I like the idea of of having, if you know, that we're lucky enough to have volunteer moderators because they have an investment in space too then. So it becomes a more community thing. Apart, instead of just having one person going, right, this is didactically what I'm saying to do, mm -hmm. everyone has an investment in keeping that space nice. Like when you share a communal kitchen, you all want the kitchen to be nice because you all want to cook in it, right? It's like that kind of thing. And you want to be able to welcome people into it. And I, I, I'm really grateful because I, I get a bit lost with Discord. So I'm so grateful to everyone that knows what they're doing and has a go and keeps that space a lovely place for us. And I'm also really, really grateful to all our patrons, right? Every, every person that is, I was thinking about this the other day, every person that whether they give us a dollar or whatever, I'm just so grateful to it's them. It's incredible, isn't it? We just get to do this and as it, a job. That's, I, it's, I know. It, it, you know, it still baffles me. I, like, I, uh, yeah, I still me haven't too. quite comprehended how this works. Like I know how this works, but... <laughs> 
and it can come across as a little bit trite, maybe, to say, oh, thank you for everything that you know. But I really mean it. I really yeah. do mean it. And yeah, we are so grateful. Like, I, every time I, I, we make a video or something, everyone that is backing us, I have in mind. Like, mm. I hope all these people enjoy what we're doing. You yeah, know? exactly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just so grateful to everybody. Thank you. So yeah, I, I hope you uh, enjoyed the Cascadia video. I hope you enjoyed the video that's coming forward. And I really, really, really hope if you are a member of the exclusive Patreon uh, Discord <laughs> server uh, that you are having a nice time there. Uh, with that, let's talk about some board games. Let's talk about Lunar Capital. Okay, so I don't know how to begin this because the thing that... And this is really childish. But the thing that I, the first thing that I think, Elaine, uh. I, I, I'm not deliberately repeating myself. I just can't bring myself to say it. But the first thing I think about Luna Capital is, is the 3D cardboard piece that is a rocket, but looks like something else. Yeah, well, you've got a dirty mind. It's so. not, you know, okay. So here's the thing, right? It doesn't take a very dirty mind to make that rocket appear as what it appears to me. Uh, it, it it is so incredibly. It's a funny shape. I don't know why why it's the shape it is, honestly. But it, yeah, like all it does is store tiles, but it's not even very stable. No. So it tends to wobble about anyway. But anyway. No, that's... no, you're making it. You're so making it worse. <laughs> that was deliberate. Th this no, it wasn't. It really wasn't. But now I've made this. Um, PG-13 or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, let's talk about the game a little bit more. So here's the thing. Luna Capital is... I don't know how to describe it because it's sort of like a tableau tile collector. Right, that's how I explained it to you. Like a tableau builder. Yeah, but it doesn't really play or feel like anything else. Which in these days when we have 700 board games come out every single day, feels like an achievement. True? No. No, oh, okay. No, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> All from right, Nick <laughs> <laughs> Um But th there is there is an element here where, like, uh, hey, Luna Capital is kind of interesting because it's mm -hmm. a bit different. It's kind of neat because you know it's it it's not particularly complicated to explain or mm -hmm. or play. It, it looks really good. I I really like that. I think yeah. artistically, Luna Capital just knocks it out of the park. Uh, the premise is that you are uh, different companies in who, 1977 who have come to the moon, <laughs> and and the moon is being populated by various people, and you need to make it a real place. Right. Uh, you need to make it habitable. Yeah, but you're also a capitalist company uh, where you're trying to establish like. Uh, a taxi monopoly or a burger joint monopoly. But you're or... not, though. That's the thing. That's what I'm so confused about. Is I don't know why in this you're competing with each other because they're four different distinct companies. Why can't they all exist on the moon? Yeah, I, I, it, it's, it's kind of bizarre. I guess you'll be the one dominant. See, and, this and is, why, why is it taxi maybe this company? is like a capitalist dystopia <laughs> where you start as a taxi company, but eventually you're so big that it doesn't matter anymore what you do. You know, like when when uh, there was that Jeff Bezos meme like years ago where like there's Jeff Bezos looking really weedy and going, I sell books. And then uh, Jeff no, Bezos I looking don't. really buff going, you know, I sell whatever the F I want. You oh, know? no, I haven't seen uh, that. 
where he went from, you know, just uh, books, yeah, everything, right? I remember a long time ago, I was looking for something on Amazon and I came across, it was probably about 10 years ago, right? And Mm. I came across a lettuce and I was like, what? Amazon are selling a lettuce? And it was like, I don't know, normal price of a lettuce, 50p or whatever. Yeah. And then the postage for it was like eight pounds. And I was like, why would anyone buy a lettuce off Amazon? And now frequently you know people buy their grocery shopping on amazon so it was clearly a precursor to that oh, yeah, absolutely. but i did yeah. not because i'm not an evil genius i did not have the foresight to go oh mm. this is what they're doing mm. anyway. it's like it's like when you had mobile phones and they took pictures but they just started doing that mm-hmm. and it was this like 12 kilobyte pixelated kind of thing that you got out of it and then you had to take out the memory card and you had to put the memory card in your computer because you couldn't get it out any other way and you're like why would anyone want to take pictures i with never phone, had right? that i had bluetooth immediately all right okay sorry this is fancy pants so so yeah i guess it's that kind of thing you know it doesn't matter what you do it's like one day you will rule the moon maybe uh how will you rule the moon by Placing cards in front of you and placing tiles on those cards. And it's got this really funky system where the way you... So you have always three cards in your hand mm-hmm. and they can be numbered from uh, one to ten. And uh, when you place a card, you know, you place it in one of your three rows, right? Which are like all adjacent to each other, right. like uh, vertically. Uh, when you place a new card in these rows, and every turn you have to place a new card, right? Yes. Uh, it has to follow numerical sequence. So if you're placing something... To the left of seven has to be lower than seven. If you're placing it to the right of seven, it has to be higher than seven, yes. right? And because you only ever have three cards in your hand, and you always have to take a new card when your turn starts from like uh, an array of four, mm-hmm. uh, you're forced into this puzzle of like, I must spend the right cards into the right places so that it's sort of like I'm not stuffed that so i can take the things that i want but the problem with that is that by just taking the right card that's not the only thing you're taking you're also taking tiles that are underneath it Mm -hmm. Uh, and those tiles might or might not be between one and four yeah between one and four tiles and and those tiles might or might not be the tiles that you want Mm. uh and you have to place those tiles immediately on top of the cards that you just placed each card has four sometimes three spaces for these tiles and sometimes already has pre-printed tiles Mm. and i think the tenor of the game is largely that once you place those tiles that's where it becomes a pretty sort of standard lightweight euro game where you're either looking for adjacency or collecting sets of tiles or you know looking for various placement patterns or whatever uh, and and sort of building this little puzzle in front of you yeah there's various different things that those tiles will do and but yeah i guess the trick is that you're building up these lines and and you start with one so so you mm-hmm. said there are three which is true but it's a maximum of three yeah so you could in theory have like one big long line if you got exactly the right numbers all the time mm-hmm. um but yeah you want to place you can never move them once you put the card down so mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you place place them in a way that is going to make sense for scoring mm. right but there's there's so many different things to score for i showed you the score pad and your eyes went like massive uh-huh. you're like oh no but there's so many different ways of scoring and and it's just i guess picking how and what you want to score for because there's no way that you could do all of it mm. i don't think the other thing i kind of want to pick up on is that i think people who have played welcome to which is a roll and write game mm-hmm. will immediately pick up on the similarity of like 
Uh, or also Quinto, which is another mm -hmm. roll and ride game where um, you have to like line up your numbers in, in ascending order, right? right. Like it, in a numerical order. But I hesitate to invoke those uh, analogies because the one thing that's sort of already weird about Luna Capital is that you, you don't ever feel like in Quinto and Welcome to, you always feel pressed to like fill out as much as possible mm. right whereas in luna capital you never you never have enough cards and you never play enough cards because you only play 12 cards in total i right. think yeah uh, you have 12 turns I yeah think. you have yeah, 12 total. turns in the game right and yeah because there's three phases and four rounds per phase yeah so yeah so you're never gonna have this like massive display because you have a potential 30 spaces for cards but sure, yeah but you only play 12 so this there's a lot of room for maneuverability. The only the only thing that happens is that because you only ever have four cards to select from when you take a new uh -huh. one, and there are tiles underneath that again you might or might not want. Uh -huh. You want sort of that like flexibility of the card that you can take and then it can go somewhere. But it's not like Welcome to where like the game is like making sure I'm gonna fill out all these numbers in the I, right order. I know you said to me um, it's reminiscent of Welcome to right, mm. uh, and I didn't find that at all. Honestly, the only similarity was the uh, ascending numerical order. That's it. Like mm. everything else is completely different. Yeah, that's true. It's um, it's and, a different and, genre of game, but right, yeah. right, yeah, no. But apart from that, like mm. it, there, nothing about it felt similar to Welcome to. Like because there in Welcome to there's there's only three cards you can pick from, so you're immediately limited, and then you must immediately draw the thing on the card right and yeah. do the action on the card whereas in this like first of all you've got this array of four cards to pick from you've got the tiles to choose from and then you've got your hand to pick from as well so the card you right, take so, you don't have to play immediately right. you can play something else from your right. hand the tiles you do have to place yes. but you don't have to place them on the card you just played no you like can anywhere place them in on, your tableau on anything yeah and and so there's this real real kind of freewheeling feel to it that i didn't get in welcome to ah uh, okay so i'm going to slightly disagree here uh -huh. right so you're allowed i agree that there's a free wheeling feel but that free wheeling feel is more like a wonky tricycle that's about to tip over right i didn't say it was a good feeling yeah <laughs> like so in in some ways uh luna capital felt freer because they're you know you, you're not restricted to all these immediate things but at the same time when i looked at at the available cards and tiles very rarely have I felt like, oh, yeah, this is the exact thing that right, I want. Right, It felt more like, I don't want to say, like, restrictive, because restrictive sounds fun. Like, uh, you know, restriction breeds creativity. Here, it just felt like restriction is trying to squeeze something that isn't there. Right. I, I felt like a lot of the time there was some damage limitation to what I was placing and where I was placing it. And and like I agree with you. It, it did feel less tight, but not in a good way. Restriction does breed creativity which you find in welcome to mm. because you have this restriction uh but in this you don't and it like for me it just felt very loose and wishy-washy um and i i didn't like that feeling so um a lot of uh, it's funny you mentioned reiner kunitsa <laughs> earlier uh a lot of people really like reiner kunitsa's designs called through the desert mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. blue lagoon and i have never particularly enjoyed those and i think what i always said about them i know this is a bit of a digression is that with Blue Lagoon and Through the Desert, you always have 
50 available different actions that you can take, even though the action is the same, place something somewhere, right? But like there are 50 different spots and mm -hmm. 50 different like potential decisions. I'm exaggerating, but you know, but I never know which one of them is right because the knowledge whether that was the right decision or not is going to come like 10 turns late, 10 turns later when mm. uh, one of your opponents does something and you're like, oh, that thing that I did half an hour ago, that was a mistake. You know, <laughs> like, okay, I guess in retrospect, I understand that, but because the board is so variable, yeah. that's it's like, you know, oh, I made that mistake in Go, I guess I'll learn it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. So for me, there's kind of like a similar feeling here with Luna Capital, where like there's so many things you could do. But at the same time, none of them feel particularly fun because all of them are damage control. Mm. Um, it didn't feel particularly rewarding um, to take four tiles and need one of them and have to take the other three <laughs> yeah like they have to go somewhere have to go i somewhere. guess i'll just bung them in a place and hope hope against hope that you know it's gonna turn out great spoilers it didn't having said that when when i had a look at the rules there are these different types of things that mitigate the rules almost so you can only construct on an empty space on the card but there are demolition tiles that will let you kind of clear that space so you can build over it but for some reason i mean it's just random it was just unfortunate a lot of them came out in the first like round yeah we're so like we didn't need we them. didn't need them so yeah. th I, I don't know if and, and there are mitigating reasons you're right like you can cover up the number of a card they're so rare they are so incredibly they're rare so very rare yeah um that, that that kind of almost ended up not being part of the game for us mm. um because it didn't help us no, I think I, I, I'm, we're being quite negative about Luna Capital, but it is a competent game. Mm. It's, it's one of those situations where, like, the breadth and array of uh, this sort of scope of game, like the one-hour uh, Euro game where it's mm. not particularly complicated, but, you know, also a little bit crunchy. It, there's so many of them. There's mm. so, so many of them. And, and you can only be critical. And this one looks great, right? Don't get me wrong. Like, the production is really cool but also there's some like weird bits where again you have this 3d i don't want to say phallic but phallic structure <laughs> and there's also uh like a whole cardboard tray that you know holds your tiles which sounds nice right but it doesn't have a bottom on it what devilry who thought that was a good idea it's just like <laughs> i have to take out this tray holder with the board that has to sit underneath it and then i have to slide it off the board onto the table so that the tiles don't pull up it I holds mean, something like 150 tiles and both of us went to pick it up and went, oh no, because it was all the tiles just went like that underneath, right? So yeah, why I would mean, they for, do that? Yeah, for, like, and, <laughs> and this field is so competitive that for that component mistake alone, I'd be like, well, this game has to be really great to justify that. And it's good, it's just <laughs> not as great as some of the tighter games that I've seen. And it's missing some like really mm. key elements as well. Things that might seem simple and rote, but they are in other games and they aren't in this one. So yeah. for example, there's a tableau, like we mentioned, of four cards and four tiles. Uh, what if it gets clogged up and there's just stuff nobody ever wants, right? Mm. Does that clear get cleared somehow? No, there isn't any mechanism for that. And, and games with simpler rule sets have implemented that. The tiles get cleared at the end of the phase, but the cards don't. Right, yeah. So, so if you waited, I guess, 
you know yeah four, but what okay imagine if we both start with like seven eight nine ten that's just one in our ha- like with seven eight nine in our hands right yeah so we both start with high numbers none of us really want low numbers and we just keep seeing ones and twos come out what happens in that situation mm. it's just I, i i think some some games of luna capital can can turn out to be particularly unrewarding in that regard yeah and, maybe and it just just needs that little bit of polish to be standing out amongst others there is a lot of i don't want to say luck because but like randomness yeah, yeah. And, and i think that randomness can influence how you whether you enjoy the game or not mm. because whether things come out that you can play or not mm. right or that are useful or not having said that i didn't not enjoy it i had a nice time playing it it wasn't bad it, it was just it, there was too much restriction for me to fully go oh yeah this is great luna capital sent to us by someone I genuinely don't know how it appeared on our doorstep. And I know that we have like three different contacts for Devere. I don't know who or why sent it to us, but we didn't buy it. So that's that's my full disclosure. Talking of disclosures, mm. next we're talking about Echoes. Echoes. Which has not seen... Oh, you didn't do it. Oh, <laughs> forgot about that. Oh, no. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. We're talking about Echoes. 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 Uh, which was sent to us not by the publisher Ravensburger, but by one of the two designers, Matthew Dunstan, who is a friend of ours. Uh, and it was also co-designed by Dave Neal. In fact, it's not in that order. Uh, on the credits, it's listed as... Dave Neal and Matthew Dunstan. So I don't know how much Matthew uh, provided, you know, of Where the, you going the percentage this? of this design. But but some of this has been designed by a person who, you know, is more than a close acquaintance. Then Matthew stayed at our house. I think that means something, yeah. you know. Help just uh, take the uh, sofa bed up the stairs. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but Dave Neal, I've never met. Uh, maybe I've met. I don't know. Uh, at a convention <laughs> somewhere. Like, look, I'm making an important journalistic disclosure. Look, now everyone knows what the deal is. At least least i'm hoping at least 50 i'm not biased on this game sure but 50 we are yeah yeah or or less or maybe more who knows anyway echoes is a new uh kind of a mystery solve type game solve mm. a mystery mystery happened solve it in a box you open the box there's a mystery you solve it the box is done you can mm-hmm. you can do something else mm-hmm. with that box It's no longer a mystery. Mm-hmm. It comes in a in a tiny little package. There's two of them uh, right now, but there's, I believe, more coming because on the mm-hmm. app, there's already like a third one. And I think the German version of the third one already exists. Uh, so there's Echoes the Cocktail and Echoes the Dancer. We have played both of them. Yeah, we have. The size of the box reminds me of like if you buy a double cassette. Yes. It's about that size. It is about that size. Mm-hmm. A double cassette. Yeah, that's what I would say. I, I like that you bring up the cassette Uh, comparison because, because it is an audio-based mystery <laughs> mystery mystery mystery, you, mystery does it come with a cassette <laughs> you were like uh no it has an app <laughs> i was like oh yeah sorry <laughs> that's exactly what i sounded like when i said that <laughs> it was it really was i don't know why i thought because i think because of the size of the box uh-huh <laughs> anyway uh, we played this with my parents that's true um, uh we did even though it's still the panini Uh, after a year and a half, <laughs> Elaine finally got to see her parents. It, it literally has been a year yeah, and a half. Yeah, it was a year and a half. But we went to stay in a very... We, we traveled very safely in our own car. Mm-hmm. Didn't stop anywhere, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, We've all been double jabbed. And tested and mm-hmm. all of that, you mm-hmm. know. So we were responsible. 
Uh, but we did travel to our parents to stay there for like the extended weekend mm -hmm. uh, where we were also very safe by the seaside. And then mm -hmm. we got back and we, in the interim, we played Echoes. Uh, and I will say that, in fact, uh, when we played Echoes, we played it on the first night and I brought it out to your parents and I said, well, we're going to play this audio mystery game. And they yeah. were like, oh, okay, exciting. And on the second night, I was hoping that we were going to play something else. Mm -hmm. I had some other games lined up that were pretty simple, but required more than two players. So I thought this is the perfect opportunity test these out and as soon as i went to the kitchen there sat your dad uh -huh. with echoes already set up <laughs> right, he was like right. when are we playing <laughs> so he was quite excited about that i was less enthused about echoes i know uh but nevertheless i i i do feel somewhat tickled by it i let's say that that's how i feel about it Tickled by the dancer and the cocktail. I immediately don't like on the box that it says age 14 to 99. It bothers me when people put to 99. Why? Just put a 14 plus. Like, what if you just turned 100 and so... What if you turned 100 and someone bought this for you for your birthday as you're 100 and then you're like, shoot, I could have... I couldn't play it now. I'm sorry. Remember like when five minutes ago you told me off for that disclosure? <laughs> <laughs> All right, touche. Yeah, I I really enjoyed both of these. So the way that it works is that you have some cards and that you have to go through a mystery and it will give you like you scan each card with an app yeah. and it will give you a snippet of audio dialogue or sounds or whatever, something going on in the background. And you kind of have to piece them all together to make a complete story. And I thought it worked so well. I really liked it. So uh, a little bit more structure to this is that there are a total of 18 cards and six chapter tiles, uh -huh. which are the same size as cards. It's just that they're thicker to designate yeah. that they are the start of a chapter. So there's effectively six chapters and they're each conformed of four pieces. One tile, three cards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do in this game is align three cards and a tile together in the right order and scan them in the right order and do that six times because there are six chapters, right? Yes. Once you do that, you solve the entire mystery. So when you scan each card or tile, you will get a little snippet of audio. When you scan them all together, yeah, you get them conjoined, but also with some of the gaps missing. So you're yeah. getting like a bigger story. Yeah, like yeah. a bigger picture of that chapter. And then when you put all six chapters in the correct order, that's when you solve the mystery and you get an epilogue yeah. that is being read out to you. Okay, so here's here's some of my, um, I guess, not warnings really, but Ooh. I think I sh people Ooh. should know. Think of, of, of the radio dramas of old, Elaine. I know them well. Yeah, uh, and, and I think when you go into Echo's... That sort of tone, atmosphere, and attitude, and quality of acting is what you should be expecting. Uh, and, and maybe even slightly less in terms of quality of acting. Like, <laughs> I, I, the quality of the production, so I think, is quite good. Like, the card R is pretty generic and simple and not particularly evocative. You know, you'll see, like, I don't know, like, a telephone. It looks like a telephone. Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't look like much like anything else. But it doesn't look bad because it's drawn. It's perfectly clear what each thing is. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's not particularly evocative. Everything's a bit dark and moody and gloomy. Mm. But the real value of the production is in the audio, right? Mm. It's it's kind of like a, I guess, a sound set, you know, mm. like, and it's not like, I don't want people, because when I thought Echoes, like an audio mystery, oh, will I hear like various like tinklings or rumblings or like various sound effects? No, it's like 
people talking to each other most of the time. Sometimes there's like some sounds in the background that yeah. you have to hear. Like, let's say, oh, did that person shut a door? Did that happen? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so you have to pick up on that. But most of the time, you have to piece things together from dialogue, right? And the dialogue acting is, it's something. There's, there's, so one of them, the dancer, is set in Scotland. Mm -hmm. And out of the three or four characters, mm -hmm. I think one of them was, only one of them was Scottish. And, and none of the actors were Scottish, very, very clearly. So think like, you know, Groundskeeper Willie or Scotty from Star Trek. But I don't think it matters. And and in the cocktail, it was I think it was the same voice actors but trying to somehow, do like a yeah like a gangster accent, like nineteen twenties like, New York yeah, in yeah. a speakeasy. Yeah. Oh my word! When I, I realized it's the same actors, I was like, this makes so much more sense now. But I don't mind that. Oh like, no, it's definitely I, okay. So it's less a criticism and more kind of a like a public service announcement you know this is what you're getting yourself in, sure. into some yeah. really really corny stuff right yeah but i think i want to pick you up on on one tiny thing the the background sounds did matter like, oh no yeah like th there were quite a lot of them and they did matter right so like you say you know was that mm. door opening or closing like what does that mean mm -hmm. like were they leaving or coming right mm -hmm. like all those little tiny things did make a difference and they help you put the pieces together right because is that sound continuing mm. or not right yeah yeah um and i thought it was really cleverly done because none of us went immediately well this goes with this goes with this right like it wasn't obvious mm -hmm. but we listened to it and listened to it and went ah i think that might go with this because of this sound right mm -hmm. or this piece of dialogue and so it gave you what i really liked about it was the the balance i think they got the balance really correct like it gave you just enough so it was still a mystery but not so that it was impossible um you said it's like radio dramas i really like radio dramas oh no no judgment and, right and i i guess i listened to quite a lot of that that sort of thing and because I, I don't mind if the acting is a bit cheesy or whatever. Yeah. But the, the, like you said, the audio quality is excellent, right? Yeah. So you can hear it well. You can hear everything. Oh, no, like the on. production value so, is really, really good. In, mm. terms, in, in terms of the soundscapes themselves, I, I think it's great. In terms of the mystery, though, so here's my uh -huh. bone, to, real actual bone sure, to pick, yeah. right? I think one of them was pretty good. The other one, not so much. I didn't Maybe, yeah. enjoy. So uh, if you want to try it out... I think out of the two, the dancer is the stronger mystery, I right? Agree. And then if you go, this wasn't so good, then don't get the cocktail. And if you go, oh, this was pretty great, get the cocktail. It's not as good, but you'll have at least a decent time, I think. Right, and they're not expensive. No, they, I think they're um, only nine pounds or something yeah, like that, or maybe is, ten pounds. I think yeah. a, a real bargain for, for the amount of fun that we had. I mean, you don't get a lot. You get you get a tiny booklet of a rule book, and you get like 18 cards and six tiles. That's it. But you don't need anything else, no. because that's not where the production lies. The production, again, lies in the sound and in the <laughs> development of the mystery, right? So uh, can, can I just say, like, uh, just a couple of more things about, uh, in, in terms of criticism yeah. uh, about the cocktail in particular. Yeah. Like, with the dancer, in, in both of these, like, there was a little, like, plot twist moment, uh -huh. right? Uh, and with the dancer, it felt like there was a story like you think it's something but maybe it's not mm -hmm. maybe it mm -hmm. is and whether it is or it isn't you know I'll, I'll leave that for you to mm -hmm. discover but with the cocktail i i could see the plot twist coming from a million miles away well uh mm -hmm. like it, it was so obvious and evident from the start 
and it, I'm not like giving a solution or anything because it doesn't really matter, right? right. Uh, because you're still solving the puzzle and stuff like that. And and that's kind of where the story emerges, okay. right? But when you piece the story together, you go, well, there's like disparate elements here, but they don't sort of conform into a coherent piece. It's just okay. like you get mm-hmm. more like a kind of a slice of life moment in something that, that doesn't really relate to you in a meaningful way from the start or from the end, right? Like, I, I felt like with the dancer, I experienced someone's life story. Like the, yeah. And with the cocktail, I experienced a news article that wasn't very interesting. Yeah, and I, I think I did prefer the dancer. Um, but I, I like them both, you know, and I don't mind really that when you can see a answer a million miles away or like the, the story mm. arc a million miles away. I, I Because I'm the sort of person that, you know, watches Columbo or whatever and goes, is it this? Is it this? Is it? Oh, it might be this. Mm, it might be this. So I, I really don't, and sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I don't. Right. Mm. If you go into this knowing what it is, which is basically a kind of interactive audio drama right? mm-hmm. then I, I don't think you're gonna have a about with a bit of mystery in it yeah a bit of puzzle in it uh not not impossible puzzles and it's very well done the app is very well done because it will tell you if you've correctly solved part of the puzzle or mm. not and it will tell you yes these are the right cards but this isn't the right order or it will tell you these aren't the right cards at all right to go with this chapter heading um so it so it's i think that pit's well done too so i i had a good experience overall and and i think if you go into it knowing all of this then i don't think you'll have a bad time one final thing i want to mm. pick up on um when we played the dancer which we played first yeah i felt like there was this uh, more of a sense of mystery because we didn't quite know yet how to interact with this game sure. we were like oh let's listen to this thing what does that tell us mm. and then we were starting starting to look at the pictures on the cards and going well if we scan this does this bring us somewhere closer yeah you know does this somehow tie in and oftentimes i found that no and in <laughs> fact the when we played the cocktail we very quickly all agreed that the right thing to do was to simply just scan all the cards listen to everything yeah and then yeah, put it together fair. That's and fair. I think that's where the experience sort of fell down for me a little bit more. I didn't mind it. I had a pretty good time with it. Uh, but I wish more that the deduction part was more intuitive and less, well, let's just listen to everything and then see sort of where we put the pieces together in a kind of a audio puzzle. Yeah, it was a puzzle. I think that's that's a good way of describing it. Like literally a puzzle. Yeah. Like you have all these elements you have to listen to them all and then put them together. I, I, I agree with you. There's not that kind of... I mean, because we did kind of go, oh, well, maybe this goes with this because mm. blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes it did and sometimes it didn't. But so you're right. You just have to really listen to all of it. You know, you just said sometimes you didn't twice. And I think you <laughs> no, shouldn't... sometimes you did and sometimes you didn't. You shouldn't edit that out. It's just sometimes you didn't I'm, and sometimes you, <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> I'm going to listen back to that and see if that's what I said. Maybe um, maybe that's what I wanted to hear in my head. We'll find out in the edit. I mean, this is a kind of audio mystery drama, it, this podcast. In a way, it is. <laughs> anyway, that's Echoes. And, and the mystery of what's about to come next in the podcast is going to be solved in three, two... Let me just have a sip of coffee, Efka, before we talk about the next mystery game. We both had a sip, and... Can you, dear listeners, solve that clue? What could it be? I think it might be 
Coffee, Coffee traders. traders. That's what? pretty good. Was it? No, yeah. I, that was disappointing. <laughs> I, oh, I'm easily pleased. I want a redo. <laughs> no. Coffee Traders is a three to five player game from Andre Spiel and Rolf Sagel that uh, is published by Capstone Games, who have kindly provided us with a review copy. And when I say kindly, I do mean kindly because, wow, it's just a tremendously gorgeous production. The box is very big. It looks like a crate. It says it weighs 70 ounces. I don't know if it really does. It, it, I don't know what I, 70 no, ounces <laughs> is. <laughs> I'll be so honest with you. I have no idea. But it does look like a crate. It looks gorgeous. I remember when we talked about Ride the Rails previously on this podcast, which is another game published by Capstone Games. I disclosed sheepishly that they also sent us a pack of coffee. And I'm like, why is that here? I don't, I don't uh -huh. need coffee, thank you. I'm not a coffee drinker. Well... Well, the panini has happened. The panini has happened. And whilst everyone was busy uh, making sourdough, Efka uh, and Elaine were busy getting into coffee. Uh, and, and now we are suddenly both coffee drinkers. Uh, yeah, which, I didn't even like coffee from the while ago. No, yeah. We, we have transformed. We have uh, temperature controlling gooseneck goose <laughs> goose <neck laughs> spout kettle. Yeah, and uh, a Chemex. And a Chemex. Mm. And, and we, st we still don't have a grinder. Dear mm. dear coffee fans, but we, we'll get there. No, please put your recommendations for an affordable for a, grinder an affordable. for filter coffee yeah. in a Chemex in 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 the comments on nopointincluded.com/podcast <laughs> that is purchasable in the United Kingdom and does not cost five hundred pounds. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, don't tell me about the niche <laughs> zero. I can't afford that. Coffee traders uh, is immediately a theme now. Now mm -hmm. is appealing and interesting, and I'm like, oh, cool. This is you know intersecting. These are two of my current hobbies that are intersecting. Uh, and just by the way, sourdough fans. I, I, I am also now into bread baking, but I've gone off sourdough because it's too wasteful and I can get a pretty great loaf of bread just with regular instant yeast. And I enjoy and some, eating bread. So. And some nice flour. I, my loaves are, are well risen. Well, hey. And anyway, coffee. Anyway, this game is not about bread. No, this game is about frying your brain. Mm. Uh, the coffee isn't roasted. Your brain cells are being roasted. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's... I, I was really excited when this game came and I immediately opened it up and I was like, right, I'm going to read the rules. Got to about page four and went, oh, yeah, I did And I thought, no, I'll come back to that later on. Came back to it and went, and, and abandoned it. Uh, but uh, one of our friends kindly, kindly learned this game. Yeah, big... Big shout out to a friend uh, who learned the rules, and I don't want to disclose the name because no, I don't know. I appreciate. I don't that. know if that's allowed or not, so I'm not going to. But big shout out to a friend who who's learned the rules uh -huh. and and taught it to us, uh, and also big shout out to John from John Gets Games, uh, who also joined us for that game, and uh, and we played the game. I played the game. You did not play the game, right? Because you couldn't stand the thought of being uh, on uh, tabletop simulator for three hours <laughs> no, i appreciate tabletop simulator a lot but it does make me feel a bit seasick after you know like an hour and a half yeah and i thought this is going to be a long game yeah but you stuck around for the rules teach. I did. so you know yeah, how to play I you do. just don't know how it plays mm. well i'm here to tell you elaine it plays uh like it, it bulldozes uh your brain with a tractor and you know th that might sound disparaging but actually here's the thing about coffee traders 
I am not sure that by the end of this podcast episode, mm. I am going to give it a recommendation because so the the friend who taught it to us, he's pretty used to heavy Euro games. He's in a Vital Assert, the playtest group yeah, uh, and, and a frequent staple of it. So he, he, he can definitely grok a heavy game. And both him and John said that they're not probably going to play this again. I am slightly more positive about it, mm -hmm. but only slightly because I found some of some parts of this game incredibly compelling, mm. like just out of this world interesting. So uh, the setting is that you are coffee traders. Mm. You're not coffee makers. No. You are traders. So your job is uh, to get cooperatives up and going in five various coffee growing regions in the world and then collect that coffee and sell it somewhere else, mm -hmm. right? The ethics of that, I am... I, I, I'm not familiar enough with the world of coffee production. I know I know that some things in the world of coffee aren't so great. Mm. So so you know, I, and even in this game, there's uh, the civet cats, yes, which are uh, fed coffee fruits, fruits, yeah, and then they poop them out, and yeah. then that is roasted into mm -hmm. apparently really nice mild coffee. Mm. Um, and again, there apparently there's there's some issues with the cats not being treated but are they well. Not wild, though? I I just don't are know. They kept it, it, in like it, farms. I have no idea. You know, oh. it's like saying the, these these eggs are they from wild hens or are oh, they I from? You, who knows, right? It, so so it's a murky world in terms of ethics, and I don't know enough about coffee production whether what this game is portraying is the ethical side it says it's fair trade right, right yeah but the okay so here's the thing i know mm. not all fair trade is the same oh. right some fair trade is more fair than oh. the other of it right so, so 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 there's some ethical things happening that i i don't know basically i don't know but but i do know that i was very compelled by the puzzle that the game presented yes me too. And the puzzle is that you are trading coffee, you are not growing it, but you are in, in, involved in all aspects of coffee production. Mm. Uh, so one of the things that you will be doing is you'll be uh, making plantations in these various regions, coffee production regions in the world. Uh, there's five of them, uh, six technically, if you count the civet cats. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that that's a part of the game that works differently than others. Anyway, so so you're going and, and, and you're planting these plantations and you're sending workers to them. And so the more of these plantations that you plant and, you know, and you invest your resources mm. into growing these regions, the more coffee they will make. Yes. But they will not necessarily make that coffee for you. Yes. Because then there's another entirely separate part of the game where you will be sending various agents to... Uh, coffee trading houses and then you're going to be buying up this coffee and then hopefully selling it for a profit to fulfill contracts or selling it to coffee shops or you mm -hmm. know all these different elements so you're you're kind of involved in this one area of the game and heavily involved that will feed into the other area of the game but the efficiency in one will not necessarily correlate to the right, efficiency, efficiency of the other, parts, other yeah right and so that puzzle felt really, really interesting, right? And I wish, I wish, uh, and this isn't just my sentiment. I think that was something that was echoed across sure. the table. Because uh, <laughs> echoes, we did yeah, echoes. Oh, yeah, oh, see, uh, clever. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was something that was echoed across the table. And we all felt like there was purity to this puzzle that was very interesting. That was then sort of, muddled up and, and made murky by all these other extra elements mm. that you very typically see in heavy Euro games. 
So you're trying to fulfill contracts. Mm. Those contracts will score you points. Mm -hmm. If you fulfill them, you'll get bonuses. You need the resources from those bonuses to feed into the next round. So mm -hmm. that, again, you can invest more into the coffee production and you can invest more into, you know, sending out these agents and gathering up the coffee. And that's all cool. But then you also need to worry about, like, going up on this Arabica track, which... I'm not sure why the Arabica track is an Arabica track. I feel like they just took the word Arabica and and put it on a track. And 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 so you're also going up this other track. You then need to worry about all these coffee shops. These coffee shops belong to different towns. If, if like London or Sao Paulo or whatever, right? If you have majority of coffee shops that you sold to in Sao Paulo, you'll get extra point bonuses. And then you need to worry about, you know, the area majorities of where you're investing into the growing of plantations and workers mm. and, that, and that's important there's like a really quite a lot of points so you're playing this area majority game as well and then on top of that there's <laughs> this like other track where you get these like animal tokens and uh also plant tokens and the that felt super abstract because i didn't quite get what the point of it was it's like there's an e you can get an eagle points. Right? right like and and then you, it's not just points because it's set collection but it's set collection where if you have a different thing then you know that that great that increases the track but if you have the same thing it doubles up but if you have another of the same thing that's the same thing then it sort of hopscotches over and i know i'm not describing this very you well know. but the murkiness of the of it i hope i'm getting across because very there's, well. there's just just so much and it felt like you could slice half of that off and still have a really interesting, really compelling puzzle right. that really fries your brain anyway, that doesn't need all of these extra steps. And I'm not saying, like, here's the thing. I think seasoned heavy Eurogamers mm. will go, well, you need all these things to make the game replayable because they add variety right. and, you know, to be competitive, you need to do all this la-di-da-di-da. I get that, right? But I feel like there is enough of a puzzle already there it'll take you multiple games oh yeah to to you know become efficient and competent at it and good at it so there's there's enough already to explore that all that other extraneous stuff could just very well be an expansion that somehow attacks on later down the line yeah squeezed in somehow yeah yeah and I, I think for me like whenever i come across a new heavy euro the by parts interesting and by parts worrying part for me with them is how will you know there's going to be a lot of elements mm -hmm. in, in a heavy euro mm -hmm. how do they all gel together how do they work together is is it does it make sense what you're doing and why mm. like and how you're managing different parts of the game yeah and when when i was reading the rules for when i started reading the rules i just thought oh it does this and this and this and and that's where i got lost right i was like i i can't get my brain around all, how all these different elements work together. And so that's why I was interested to listen to the rules to each. Mm. And and I think partly that's kind of what you, you've said, like that maybe all of these different puzzles don't necessarily work that well together. Okay, so here's the thing. I will cop that in my playthrough, whilst I was overwhelmed by it, I don't think that they don't work well okay. together. I think there's like a logical reason why you would want to do any of them, not in terms of like thematic integration, mm -hmm. but in terms of like, I understand that if I do this and I need to be aware of that and I need to be aware of that mm -hmm. and I need to be aware mm -hmm. of that, that if I somehow just manage to balance all these things together, 
I will get a lot of points and I'll squeak that, you know, it felt competitive at all times. There was, there was this sort of edge where I felt like, oh, if I could just, if I could just go up this one thing a little bit more, I will maybe like get like six points more than this other person and maybe I'll win. In reality, uh, the scores were so wide apart. One person scored 110, I scored about 140 mm. and another person scored about 170. But I will also say that like it, despite that big point disparity, it it always felt like it was a strong competition, right? Okay. Like we were... It wasn't a clear winner, runaway... It was only when the game ended that we realized there was one person that was clearly the runaway leader. Mm. But also at the same time... So, okay, I want to I, I go into some of the more positive aspects okay. of copy traders because some of it was very interesting and, and it's to do with coffee production. So the way it works is that basically you're planting these plantations and then depending on the number of players you have in your game, each of these plantations in that particular region. So let's say we're talking about Indonesia. Mm -hmm. uh, I made some plantations in Indonesia and like these plantations will make either three or two coffee per plantation uh, based on how many players you're playing. Okay. With, right. <laughs> and so there's a total amount of coffee that that region will produce yes. then in a separate round when you send an agent to that region if you're the first person to do so um that agent will take the first spot in in you know buying up the coffee from indonesia uh then other people can join and follow you they don't have to pay the coin cost but they have to send one of their contractors you're limited in how many contractors you have and then they either join up or they don't if they don't they won't get any of that coffee if they do, they'll have like Indonesian coffee. Great, right? Uh, why do you want Indonesian coffee? Because your contract specifically say, can I have like four coffees from Indonesia, three coffees from Brazil, and you know, two coffees from Colombia, right? Mm. Uh, and you're like, okay, so I'm prioritizing these, but you don't want to just fulfill one contract. Right. You want to fulfill multiple. So you're sort of juggling things. And there's this uh, then puzzle in terms of like how much coffee you're actually going to get because the first agent will always get one coffee. Then the first agent will get one coffee. The second agent will get another coffee. The third agent will get another, yeah. another coffee. Then first, second, third, first. So it's like this Mancala thing where you go like the first person gets something and then the first person again, dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 yeah, dun, yeah. right? Uh, so the math of how much you're going to get is complicated because when you're planting a plantation, you're going like, okay, well, if I send my agent, then... I'm going to get that much, but I'm not first in turn order. Is someone going to go there or not? I don't know. Okay, let's say I'm second. You know, how much coffee I'm going to get? And then you can build a building. That means that before any agents get a coffee, you have a trading house there. So you get one coffee just, just before anyone else, right? Right. And let's say, like, you've, you've built a plantation. You've done your math. Okay, I figured this out. Then in the next phase, someone places a trading house and you're like, oh, my math has completely gone right, out the window. Right, because there's a limited amount of coffee. Yeah. So in some ways, I really like the system because, because within that, there's already like a cool puzzle and, and a lot of purity. And I think that puzzle would work if there weren't these other extraneous bits because you can't map it out. And the problem with the game that adds so much on top of that is that you feel so competitive and you feel so forced to map it out, that a lot of people are just going to be going there and sitting. Uh, if this thing, uh, and then I do, uh, what if I build a building here? And then, and, and everyone's doing that in their uh. heads, right? And it devolves frequently into that. And I think it's sort of fine in some games, but I felt so overwhelmed by a lot of it that, mm. that I, I was less playing a game and more worrying. 
if that makes sense. <laughs> About how many points you were going to get. Yeah. Is it clear, does the game make it clear what the most important elements of the game are? I, like, I think by the time you're mean? done playing a game, you will find out what the... Because okay. whilst we were worrying about fulfilling all these contracts, uh, we didn't worry so much about the how much plantations and buildings you had in each area uh -huh. because that's again another area majority game yeah. and and the amount of points you get from that is a lot and uh, both me and the person who came last neglected that and the player who came first really trounced us mm -hmm. by just focusing on that aspect of the game in addition to also fulfilling the contracts so i don't know i'm, I'm kind of torn i i wouldn't recommend this necessarily to people who are really into coffee because even though the production is just <laughs> tremendous like look this game up it it looks beautiful right it's expensive but it looks beautiful but maybe i would recommend it to people uh, who are really into all the new heavy, heavy euros. euro games mm -hmm. and don't mind not getting the best one and and spending a lot of money on maybe not the best one there's still there's still a lot of stuff that i think is pretty compelling and pretty interesting for me it doesn't quite quite fall into a coherent package and also because i felt like because we were playing a free player game some elements of the game felt like they were designed for like maybe a four or maybe a five ah, player game i was game. gonna ask that too like how did it feel at three so there's there's another element that I didn't mention that uh -huh. when you plant these plantations that's not it you know there's like there's like workers that you have to put on and there's this like complicated system where you don't put workers on your you can't put workers on your own plantations but you don't want to because if you put them on other people's plantations then you will go up on this uh, arabica track again you'll get chevrons that move you up an arabica track <laughs> and so you want to go up on that track because it's a track and it's a euro game so you want to go up on a track and but then if yours don't get populated you get penalties uh, and and that never happened because there was always enough workers, right? Okay. So any any worker rewards didn't feel particularly strong or important because there were just too many workers. And I think it would feel much different in 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 a player count that was higher than right. free. Free uh, is the minimum. Yeah, and there's this also game. this like complicated pattern that you have to build buildings into that then require you to spend donkeys or a truck that you have. Mm. And yes, there are donkey pieces in this game. Um, <laughs> there's also civet cat pieces which look like monkeys for some reason, but they're cats. And so there's all these little bits that sort of cohere in some ways, and then depending on player count maybe not necessarily do sure. um and i, I want to give coffee traders a fair shake but i know it's going to be hard because not everyone wants to play this game uh i know the people that i played it with are not going to play it again i'd like to play it again but it's again the panini it's a minimum of three players there is a two-player mode but i hear it's not very good and ideally i'd play it with four and with four that game is even longer mm. i want to cover it on video at some point but i'm not sure i'll be able to just because of the logistical right. issues right of covering a game like that so it, sorry capstone games I, i'm really grateful that you sent me this copy because i'm not sure i'm gonna donate it to someone because i i, I love how it looks uh -huh. i'm really into coffee now and uh. it's it's gorgeous i'm gonna probably enjoy this game sometimes some years down the line yeah, I, I, I was going to say that. I think it might be a game that kind of sits on your shelf for a while, but then you pop it out every so often. And and roast someone's brains with it, yeah, right? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, again, I, I, I feel like this ge game benefits 
from repeated plays yes. when everyone like right right but and that's that's my other question i guess is that is it interesting enough to go okay well i didn't do great because it was my first play or my second play or whatever but i really want to try and push the rest of the buttons in this game and find out what else it has to offer okay so i'm partially compelled but I am also compelled by puzzles like that, right? right? I know that. I know that my ADHD brain enjoys it because I don't, I'm not a person who's going to sit there and map everything out. Right. Um, I I am more of a kind of instinctive player, mm -hmm. right? And, and you're very good at that, generally. I guess I have good instincts. I've been lucky to do well sometimes at a heavy Euro game because I don't need to sit there. And mm. so I, I enjoy them more because I'm not like locked into just mathing this entire puzzle out. I just go, right, no, like I'm going to go by feel and that's fine with me, right? I think if you are more compelled and if you're, as people say, more AP prone, you you uh. might have some real, real big issues with this game. Mm. Or if you have friends that have that because you're going to sit there and wait for them to do everything yeah, and it's to just going to be Im impossible, yeah. Um, so I'm the way that I play, I'm not particularly competitive when I play. I'm more like, okay, I want to find out what this does and mm. how this strategy works. And then maybe when I play it again, I want to find out what mm. this strategy does. How would that work for me? Not well, because you have to do a bit of everything. Uh, this is more of like an agricola kind of situation where everything is important. And, and you have to account for every single bit. Like in our game, again, people neglected some aspects of it, but purely because they were, you know, so, so much other stuff. Yeah, they yeah. were so overwhelmed by the game I that see. like they had to make that concession and go, I know I'm not going to win, but I, you know, I'm just going to ease myself into it. Uh -huh. I would still be interested to play this game. I, I'm looking forward to it. Well, maybe we can try out the two player variant. That'd be good. You've been listening to the, no pun included, board game podcast if you enjoyed it uh you might want to check out our youtube channel on youtube.com slash no pun included where we review board games but better than on the podcast uh but if you like this podcast you are a top person and Aww. i congratulate you uh if you'd like to leave a comment you can always do so on no pun included.com slash podcast which is the official home of this podcast and you can find other episodes there. If you really, 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 really like what we do, you can always support us on Patreon and get uh, access to our exclusive aforementioned Discord server and make all of this possible, which would be really appreciated. And if you like this, you can also leave us a review or a star rating on Apple Podcasts, which apparently is really, really good for us. I still don't know how that works. Me neither. I just know that it does. Uh, I'm sure one day I will learn. Thank you very much. Why don't you say goodbye, Elaine? Goodbye, Elaine. Goodbye, Elaine.